Obsesses weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode sixty-two is recorded live, April fourteenth, twenty eleven. Welcome to Scuba Obsessed, episode 62. You can't keep me out of the water. Some of the things we'll be covering in the news, don't take that. Stunt uh, raises thousands. Uh, Scuba yoga, and as long as the drinks are good. And as always, this is the part of the show where I welcome Jim, but Jim is unable to come tonight. He had some other obligations. Hope to have him back soon. Uh, I I don't know. I'll pressure him, see if I can twist his arm to get him back next week. He's just been extremely busy and, you know, everybody goes through these cycles from time to time, so we wish him him the best of luck and hope that he can get back on the show soon. And uh, Mac, who I was going to have fill in this week, is currently unavailable, so I'm going to do something I recommend nobody ever do, which is podcast solo. So we'll go ahead and give this a try and see how it works. Going to jump right on into the news. We have a few articles this week. Uh, don't take that. That was a scuba diver was fine. I got to pop open Internet Explorer with this. I used to leave all the articles loaded and then these darn ads in the background on all these websites would go n- nuts. A scuba diver was fined. A uh, recreational scuba diver who took three times the allowable crayfish catch at Peterborough, uh, which this looks to be in Australia, uh, was fined $2,000. Tom, Thomas Bowman, 40, uh, did not appear in the magistrate's court this week, but pleaded guilty to five breaches of the Fishery Act through his defense counsel. Charges included using a hook underwater, breaching a prohibition order, exceeding the catch limit, and two counts of taking undersized fish. Uh, he was convicted and fined $2,000, ordered to pay 153 in cost, and his scuba gear valued at $1,000 was forfeited. He caught three crayfish by hand and used three using a metal snare before leaving the water at 9 a.m., heading back to his vehicle. Bowman was intercepted in the fisheries by uh, a car parked, and he had three fema- female and three male lobsters when the catch limit is two for each day on any one day. All six rob- uh, robsters. lobsters were measured and uh, found to be under the minimum length, with one of the males more than three centimeters short. Um, Bowman said he used a snare because he thought it was easier to catch the crayfish and not put them on the gauge because it was difficult to judge the size underwater. And that's what I tell everybody, you know, you can't judge size underwater. All six crayfish were returned. Um, he said his client was tempted by the conditions and, uh, offended involved ignorance and disregard of the rules. He said he only scuba dived infrequently and previously had dived in South Australia where some of the laws are different. Um, yeah, that that doesn't get you out of much when you claim that you don't know what the rules are. Uh, always good advice uh, when you're taking anything uh, below water or above water that you know what the rules are. Uh, you know, $2,000, had that been me, I mean, not that I would have gone and done that, but $2,000, that's a dry suit right there. You don't want to have to give one of those up. 
And I'm going to try and do, uh, maybe I'll be a little bit like Rich this week, uh, trying to watch the chat room at the same time. Usually I, I got backup, so um, we'll we'll see how well this goes. Uh, the next article, pop this one up, uh, Stunt Raises Thousands. And it seems to be all the articles this week, are, or most of them are foreign. Uh, this one is out of the peterboroughtoday.co.uk telegraph. Uh, this is in the UK. Stunt raises thousands. A team of divers hope to raise more than a thousand pounds with underwater ironing stunt. So uh, this, this is exactly what it is. They take an iron and an ironing board. We've covered it past times in the show, and it just to me seems to be an odd event to do underwater. But it seems to happen quite a bit. Uh, there's actually leagues out there of these underwater ironers. Uh, the 24 hours underwater ironing relay started Saturday at 10.02 a.m., and it finished at 10.04 on Sunday, so 24 hours and two minutes. And as Dave says, squirrel, uh, easy to distract me. It was a big achievement for everyone who took part and is looking like we have raised thousands of pounds. Uh, And we'll have, as with all the news, we'll have those in the show notes, so you can head over there and take a look. The next article is uh, La Source Resort. Grenada launches scuba yoga program. So I've never tried yoga unless you count we fit yoga as yoga, but I've always thought it's interesting. My wife's done yoga. I would go ahead and give it a try. And here's somebody going and putting it together with scuba. Grenada Day announced at the launch of the Caribbean's first scuba yoga program incorporating specific Yoda, Yoda, yoga and meditation tuition designed to enhance the overall dive experience. It's a three-day program consisting of three, day, uh, three dives chosen by guests over a seven-night stay balanced with uh, pranayama <laughs> yoga techniques and meditation before and after each dive. Uh, they say it helps the diver's performance and gives them confidence. Uh, and actually, I thought that was more something that you know Blue Pills did. But uh, they said the island of Grenada has 22 wrecks in the clear water. Um, they have a spa treatment, which if you're if you're bringing the the wife the non-diving wife, she absolutely will love the spa. Um, they have tai chi in the beach, tennis, and uh, full board. So yoga and scuba. I don't, I, now I'd be willing to try it, but. Uh, We'll just have to see. Uh, This is another one, I believe, out of the UK. Let me go ahead and pull this one up. That's usually why I have a second person on the show helping as I'm doing something I can fake it. This this one's actually out of the U.S. Bar Harbor, Maine. Former Bar Harbor master diver Ed Montant led a league of underwater superheroes, which I guess that would be L-O-U-S, Luz. Uh, Liga Luz, an area scuba diving club, and a special mission to aid Mount Desert Island Biological Lab- Laboratory last week. And seven divers donned dry suits and jumped aboard the boat. Uh, they were helped by seven volunteers topside. And the divers are searching for grates in deep water. Uh, it's, it's areas for the volunteers that it's difficult for them to get to. Normally, what they've been doing is they've been uh, they take these grates, they put them down, they tie grass to these grates and uh, as a way of uh, getting the grass to root and uh, to help avoid erosion. And uh, this time around, I'm going to paste this in the chat room, uh, 
this time around they got some divers to volunteer, which they say that's fantastic. I'm so glad that they were able to put that together. Um, and, I'm, and I'm betting they also found some of the greats that had fallen and gone into some of the deeper areas. Uh, and then this is another one. If you like to go on cruise ships, you, you kind of wonder what's underneath the dock. At least I do. Being a diver, I want to know what's underneath there. And we do a lot of river dives. Uh, I'm sure with the traffic down there, not too many people get to dive underneath the cruise ships. But if you did, uh, you might be in for a little bit of a surprise. There were some munitions found under the Seattle cruise ship terminal. The U.S. Army Army Corps of Engineers has found more unfired munitions under the Seattle cruise ship terminal used by Holland, America, Princess, and other lines. Uh, This is reported by uh, Seattle King 5 News. Um, The outlet says that multi-million dollar cleanup operation in Seattle's Pier 91 has resulted in the delivery of of 11, delivery, discovery, discovery of 11 military munitions and over 200 other military munition related items, which I'm assuming that would have to be anything other than the munition itself. Uh, Last October, munitions have been discovered under the cruise port during routine security sweeps. So uh, here you're looking for something a little bit more recent, then you come across some stuff. Um, But So they they went and found it. Uh, The site of the cruise port was used as a military depot from World War II until 1971. So not surprising. You use um, a port for military that long, you're bound to get something in on it. Uh, some people have even speculated that uh, the munitions were just uh, an easy way for people to get rid of stuff they didn't want to have to properly put away. <laughs> yeah, and there's Dave's in the chat room is saying uh, that uh, it was just a little bit of paperwork, and that's what I heard some other people say the same thing, is that it was just a little too much work for them to do. Uh, the St. Lawrence Seaway, or not, uh, River, there's a scuba shot proposed. Uh, this is Ogdenburg, uh, just off of New York, a decade-old proposal to set up a scuba diving school on the St. Lawrence River has been resurrected, with supporters insisting the time is right now that the desired property is a clean bill of environmental health. <clears throat> hey there. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, howdy. You're on the air. God, I've never had to say that before. <laughs> okay. There you are. Yeah, wouldn't let me out. I'm most of the way through the news. Uh, what we just got to is... Uh, the scuba school proposed on the river, the St. Lawrence Seaway. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah, 1999 proposal for a dive shop, tourist attraction being resurrected. Uh, the decade-old proposal to set up the scuba diving school has been uh, brought back. Now that the property has a clean bill of health, the river frontage at the former Diamond International Industrial Site was declared clear of underwater contamination last spring by the Department of Environmental Conservation. So I didn't even know it was sick. I'm sorry? I didn't even know it was sick. Yeah, I wasn't feeling too well. So uh, 12 years ago, they had put the proposal up to do something, uh, and based on that, they'd actually even formed the dive club and was pitched by the chamber's then-executive manager. Um, it looked good then. It looks good now. It'll be another great tourist attraction. Um, but the very footer of this article had some interesting details, which you're kind of like, holy crap, what was going on? It said development of the 17 acre property with 1200 feet of river frontage 
is a priority within reach. Now that 5,000 tons of contaminated soil are gone and more than 2 million gallons of wastewater found in several underground vaults have been treated. That's a whole bunch. It, it is. Well, I'm thinking vaults, 2 million gallons. I, I don't have – I mean, you, you've worked in – industry where you have large areas of water what what would something like that visualize what would two million gallons look it's not like that, i mean <laughs> i said not that much but uh, <laughs> i'm familiar with a one million gallon tank so it, it's a very manageable number i mean okay you got tank or some type of uh receptacle that's you know not leaching into the groundwater or something okay because i'm just picturing like you know some somebody's you know, looking up a mantle cover and going, oh, I didn't realize that was down there, but two million gallons of wastewater uh, has been treated. So uh, I mean, it, it could have been. Uh, they, they don't say what it was if it was just sewage. It says it was treated, not removed. So. Well, yeah, it makes a lot of difference in what it is. You know, if it's contaminated waste, it's uh, you know, chemical waste. Is it just like you said? Is it waste wastewater? A uh, lot to say about it. And if you can neutralize it, like you just it sounded like, is that's what they did? Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't didn't sound as bad as having like uh, bad oil, you know, polluted oil type stuff or fuel, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it didn't sound like anything that they had to uh, pull out or or get rid of. Uh, and if you remember from last week, we had the the article. I've lost my my pages. We had the article in Time, uh, the Happy Hunting Ground, and we'll go ahead and read just the beginning of that again. And uh, we didn't have anybody successfully guess the year of it. Uh, Mac, did you have a guess? Uh, it said uh, that was the one where we had to seize the happy hunting ground for lovers. And that was our article no, about. No, I didn't actually. Uh... Any guess? How about the chat room? Anybody have a guess in there? Just throw out a year. It says, it says there were about half a million male divers and about 300,000 women at that time. Uh. So we got Dave, Dave uh, put up a guess there of of uh, 1964. Shipwreck Mike has 73. Anybody else want to give it a try? How about you, Mac? I I don't have a clue. <laughs> as is often said. <laughs> well, uh, I have to say uh, that Shipwreck Mike was very close. It was 1974, April 3rd, 1974. That was an AP story out of New York. So we've got another one this week. Uh, let's see this one. <laughs> and I thought, hey, I almost I'll I'll paste this in the chat room. But if I paste in the chat room, everybody's going to figure out what year it is. So we'll go right on and take a peek at it. The French scuba team finds parts from uh, Saint Exupéry's missing plane. A French scuba team has discovered parts of a missing warplane piloted by Anthony de Saint. Exparelli, Expri, everybody's cringing as I pronounce his name. The and he was the author of the story, The Little Prince, uh, considered to be one of France's most beloved writers. Uh, an Air Force official said the uh, hero disappeared during World War II, flying a reconnaissance mission for the Allies. Until now, nobody knew where he was. Uh, his last secret mission was to collect data on a German troop movement in the Rhone River Valley. His plane vanished in July 31, 1944. So that's a that's a hint. So it's going to be right after 1944. In 1998, uh, let me see. Well, I get I, I guess I have to filter out these dates. So uh, we know it's within the last uh, 15 years. His plane vanished and was caught 
uh, oh, uh, a fish, a fisherman found a net in the Mediterranean. Wait, may have been wearing his, when his, oh, here, gosh, I didn't even get that one close. In 1998, a, a bracelet may have been found that he was presumed to have been wearing was caught in a fishing net in the Mediterranean. So that uh, jogged somebody's memory saying that they had seen a plane and debris in the sandy bottom. Uh, they went down, looked, found plane parts, uh, pulled up the numbers, and they were able to identify it. So uh, so this one's going to be a little bit easier. We've, we've narrowed this one down to within at least 15 years. So can you guess the year? So we'll get that one next week. We'll see what everybody's votes are. So head on over to the Scuba Obsessed website. You can put it in the the comments after the the posting or you can go over to Facebook at facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed. Uh, we have some potentially cool scuba gear or uh, cool new gear. And this one I can paste into the chat room. And Mac, this is the one that is on the, the little flip camera. And when these first came out, I was, I was thinking that they'd make a, a great video camera, HD video in the palm of your hand. Ike Lake makes a housing. A few other companies make a housing. So this story is a review of it. And one thing that made me wonder if the review, for the, for those of you not in the tech industry, uh, the Flip Camera or the Flip Ultra camera uh, was originally made by a company called Flip and it got bought by Cisco. And like all giant companies, they took it and we're going to run with it and make all sorts of money and enter the consumer space. And uh, what ended up happening is it, it didn't work. Uh, they're, they're abandoning it. So just this week they announced that they're going to stop making them and they're not going to sell the company and there it goes. So uh, potentially cool gear. So if you've got an Ica-like housing for one of these, you might want to follow what Rich Sinewick has recommended and you get a couple spares, then you've got them. That's the first time I've seen that one. It looked quite interesting. Yeah, they're real popular. They About two years ago they were hot. Uh, everybody was using them. You just, they're, you know, they can you know, fit them in your pocket. You pull it out. Uh, you can take pictures, you know, if you're at shows or anything. Uh, YouTube was just getting popular when these came available. And uh, they, they had like a little flip out, little USB connection. So you plugged it into your computer and it had so editing, video editing software built right in the camera. So it was a nice little package. So it was a natural to, uh, you know, for for somebody who just wanted to have a cheap underwater camera, you could sometimes buy, uh, it was almost like they were throwing the camera in for the price of the housing because the cameras weren't that expensive. Uh, they were, you know, $100, you know, depending on the features you go up. And the Ica-like housing actually has some filters to uh, do some color correcting. What was the uh, price of the Ica-like itself, the housing? I'm, I'm trying to remember here in the article they don't list it, but I want to say that there was a package like $399 or... 4.99 for the the camera housing. You know, a lot of times if you go like to our world underwater, some of the other shows they had them all put together. Um, you know, uh, I'll have to take a look. I I bet they're still going to be available, uh, but uh, you know, it, it takes a while for them to work through their supplies. The bad thing about it is, you know, once you invest in a housing, if you know, like they say, it's not when you're going to flood a housing. I mean, if you flood housing, it's when. So, uh, you know, there could be a chance if it takes you a couple of years before you get to that event and you don't have a spare, then you end up with just uh, empty housing doing nothing. So uh, I'm not sure if there's other cameras uh, of similar size. Uh, I kind of like that one that Bob had. Uh, that one didn't do too bad. 
I have to twist uh, Jim's arms if we can get that one posted up. He was he's been working on that. I know he's been real busy. Well, if you mention it to him, he might. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah, I'll we'll definitely do that. And then uh, we had a few comments in on iTunes, and one of them was from somebody who's in the chat room this evening, Shipwreck Mike. Uh, thank you for the the review on iTunes. Uh, his comment was, I love the show. I went back and downloaded starting with one going forward. I totally enjoyed Darrenisms when it comes to pronouncing names and places. Both Jim and Darren make a great team. You need to put together a blooper reel of all the mispronounced names and places. It would make for one hell of a good laugh. Good job, guys. Keep it up. So thank you so much, Shipwreck Mike of uh, Fontana, California. So, uh even on the West Coast, we've got people who listen to the show. So thank you so much. Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, and I and I make a lot of isms, as you could see tonight. I've I've already had my share, and we're, we're probably not halfway through it. And there's another one. Uh, I can't remember if I've read it or not. Uh, so I'm going to do it again. So if I if I've covered it in a previous week, uh, we'll we'll just go ahead and do it. And this one was from a uh, comment. Uh, we had we had posted a video quite a while ago of the condo fish and artificial reef project, which I think is just absolutely cool. And this was uh, back from the people who, who posted the the video. It said, uh, "Thanks for the props. Come and dive the reef sometime with the addition of Chuck and the Peter Star shipwreck and over nine months of growth of calcium on the rich concrete blocks. The t- the reef project is teeming with life. We've been spotting numerous." Rays, eels, crabs, conch, oysters, and multitude of different varieties of tropical fish in and around the structures. Each block structure is covered with calcium-based organism and plants. Sorry, I had to hit the cough button there, boy. Oh, I was wondering. I thought, what the hell did I lose this time? Yeah, I got quiet. Each block structure is covered with calcium-based organism. Yeah, it seems one day it becomes a solid living entity. Uh, Renee even spotted a lobster underneath the shipwreck. Meanwhile... I had a baby octopus latching out of my hand while working on the condos. It has been quite a fun last few weeks. So uh, we'll, we'll post it in the show notes and then post back so you can take a look at that video again. And then we also had another video uh, that we had posted. Uh, uh, I don't I don't know. Did you happen to catch that one, Mac? Which one again? Uh, the video that we posted this last week. Uh, no, I've been out and about all week. Yeah, you, you've been having fun diving, which we'll get to in just a moment. That's, I'm so jealous. Uh, this was uh, Master Divers uh, had produced a little video, and it was to the music of Queen's song Bohemian Rhapsody. And uh, what, what you know, a lot of people will do these little mock videos, and they'll just take the song of the artist and, and play it and do all sorts of things. Not only did they act in the video, they also recorded a new audio version with their own lyrics. And the lyrics were really good. Uh, I thought it was an awesome video. So I, I know it's to promote the dive center, uh, master divers in Thailand. Uh, but, hey, that's the way to do it. If you want to see how social networking works, especially in, an in, in, a, in a small vertical, just watch how they did that. So uh, you can click on over the website, view the video if you haven't had a chance to check it out. It's, uh, it's an awesome video. Great job, guys. So uh, there's that. And diving. Uh, so we're into that part of the show where we get to talk about diving. But I feel so bad I haven't had any diving. I had a chance to go out. I know you were going Saturday. I had company that didn't leave until probably about... 20 minutes after you were underwater and I've been fighting this darn cough I swear it's been going on for 6 or 7 weeks so 
about Saturday, my ear was starting to hurt, and so I'm thinking, you know, maybe another week dry. And then I'm also trying to get in the same dive cycle as Jim. It seems like if I dive when he's not diving, then we're in complete opposite cycles, and you know, we don't, we don't, we just don't get to dive together. So I figured I'd take a bye week. But there's nothing keeping me out of the water this week. Now you, uh, so when we talk about your dive last weekend on Saturday, you went you went diving, didn't you? Pawpaw was pretty good. Uh... The water was still quite chilly there at Pawpaw. I think that's because it's a deeper, deeper lake. Uh, visibility has not been like I'd like it. That's averaging still five to eight feet. Uh, the weed line is is there. It's starting to come up. You know how it's flattened out during the, during the winter. It's starting to reemerge and start to float. When it does that, it's going to be a real bear. Uh, I don't have a date yet when they're going to dump the chemicals in Pawpaw, but uh, when they do that, you know, you can't die for a couple of days. So if you're out there at the pier, uh, make sure you check the postings. If you're over at Delany Bay, there ain't no postings, so you might want to check the piers first or the um, the boat launches. They'll also put the dates and when it's safe to get back into the water. Uh, let's see, the treasure, there's more stuff people have been dumping over the winter. I don't know if they put it on the ice and let it sink, but if you go straight off the piers, you're going to walk into or swim into uh, six tires, the real big kind, looks like off-road tires. Really? Yeah. Uh, somebody lumped them together, but they're out there. But if you check the, the posting, I went ahead and put some of the stuff I brought back. Found some of the uh, flat irons you like to put on the stove. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw that you had a couple a couple of those. So it's, it's pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm having a good time out there. So you, how many <laughs> dives did you get in Saturday, too? Say again? How many dives did you get in Saturday, too? Nope, I just did one, one long one. Uh, it was a good one. It's it's nice a nice now that you can get a full tank since I'm doing wet. You know, it's been 20 minutes in the ice, then it was 30 minutes in the river. Now well, now we're back up to an hour in the lake. Uh, we went out to Little Fish Lake on Tuesday, and uh, we wanted to check a Boy Scout camp out there that's been there for many many years. The silt level weed line is going to be terrible out there. It's bad enough now. But if you dove in lily patties, you know how long and how thick the uh, stalks are. Yeah. Lots of those. Uh, but we did see some fish. Uh, they did have some nice, like I think I mentioned on the posting on that one, that we uh, actually had, oh, I don't know. Let's see. So there you figure was started out shallow at the, at the, at the camp itself. As you got down into the depth, you figure the silt level was probably a couple of feet. So we did two dives there. We, we went from the to the club or from the Boy Scout camp. We went over to where we believed there used to be an old dump. And you run into the same thing there. It's uh, 12 foot deep, not too far off the shore. Uh, right now, the weeds aren't too bad, but you had really, really heavy silt. And by heavy, meaning it's fine silt, but you can put your hand down it up to your past your elbow. Mm-hmm. So it's loose pack silt. And then if you take the rod, I can put another two feet down and still not hit the bottom. And then when you're trying to use your sweeps, uh, there's a lot of rock out there. So you're going to get hits. Then you go back and all you're doing is picking up different type of rocks. But again, we did find some live clams, which is good. That shows the health of the uh, lake. Same thing with snails and crayfish. Uh, You only found the crayfish in the weed beds. And I actually did catch one turtle, but I did let them go. And I'm going to have to get a camera to start taking pictures of some of the um, algae globs you get there. Mm-hmm. They're larvae. 
quite a few varieties there. As far as treasures, not really too much keepers. You know, we had found some shoes, uh, some bottles, no keepers. Found somebody's 12 foot of aluminum siding out there. Uh, the eyeglasses weren't the lenses got, got loose in the bag. And I think the neatest toy we found was a brightly colored non-functional ray gun. Couldn't find the associated UFO, but that was interesting finding out. <laughs> And, and, uh, that, and then you went, you did another dive yet again, didn't you? But then we went out uh, the next day. Well, and we went again today, but there we went to Indian Lake and we were specifically looking at Castle Point. And we can talk about that another day, but they do have a shipwreck there. Uh, and it's actually one of the ones they used for the cruises back in the older days. It's a one longer, or I shouldn't say one longer, it's a steamship. If you've looked at the ones that pop up where the engine is in the middle of it, it's mm -hmm. that kind. It's an open open boat, steam engine driven, and that's uh, we went out there to spot that baby. Uh, it was really nice there because the water temperature was 52, so it was actually warmer than uh, Pawpaw. The air temperature was 55. We didn't have any wind. We had a good 10 foot visibility, and we did see some fish life. And the first fish we saw was a two foot long pike. And looking at it, because I picked it up, put it on the shore, it had three bite marks or where it looked like a lamprey had tried to hit him on the side mm -hmm. and up by his gills. You rotate him over, uh, there was a nice hole in him, meaning circular, looked like a lamprey hole, but it's I've never seen a lamprey in that inland lake. Uh, so that's got me sort of puzzled. And I did take a picture of him. I was going to have that checked out by a biologist. Uh -huh. And then we did go out to where the boat was. We pinged it. The beautiful scan came out. Excellent. Looked around, found some good structure. And then I realized it wasn't recording. <laughs> oh. So we put the chip back in. And, of course, we can't find a son of a gun again. So we went back where we got most of the um, um, some good shots, meaning we had um, good structure. Mm -hmm. went back down. When we got back down, we realized that what we had done is fine-tune the machine with a different frequency. And the reason I had such a good picture is because it was going and doing like a sub-bottom profiler. Uh-huh. Well, when you got down there, you had three foot of silt over it. You couldn't see squat. <laughs> oh, so the, so this the wreck is just covered and buried in silt. Oh, let me tell you, the pictures were great, but when you went down there, my prod, you had to put your hand down with the prod to hit the wood. Oh. Uh, so anyway, that's what braille diving's all about. So. I mean, we, was the visibility that, pretty bad all the way through the water? Oh, the visibility was good, and actually, it was heavy silt. You stirred it, and you could actually wait a little bit, and it would start to lay down. So that's a little uh, but, bit kind of like what we have in uh, maybe Diamond Lake? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, I just know the other day, I don't know if it was like due to the density of the water and it settled out pretty good, but it really wasn't bad if you didn't really muck up the bottom too bad, and it, it seemed to lay down pretty quick. Uh, after we did that, we decided to go inland a little bit, so we went back to Grubbin and found some... Uh, Actually, some nice embossed bottles are sort of plain, uh, but they are embossed with the Dewajack name on them. Uh, what I'm really pleased with, I found a very old tackle box, brought it up, and we cleaned it, you know, before we put it back in the boat. It had some very nice, and I think they're going to be antique uh, lures. And the one I really like, it's actually of a mouse. I've never seen a lure made like a mouse with a tail at all. Huh. Yeah. So, that's those separate pictures. And we found a, uh, a very nice rod and reel. The reel looked to be about 50 years old, but it looked like it was brand new. The line on it was great. The rod, I had never seen a metal rod pole. 
and I know it's metal because it's rusting. So, so, uh, so the whole rod part was metal then. Yeah, the, the and it still had a cork base, you know, the handle, but everything else up to the rod part uh, was in good shape. The rod itself was the only part that was really uh, corroding and going away. And then, of course, we found the typical mask and servo mask and other bottom things. But it was pretty nice hunting out there. But the really neat part about yesterday, I don't know if you looked at the post. And I think I put a picture on Facebook. I, I did see uh, the one I think you're talking about. And this is extremely interesting. You tell me. That was awesome. We found uh, two more today. Yeah, everybody in the chat room and listening is going, what the heck is he talking about? Oh, we're talking about surface plumes. And actually, it, it looks like it might be underwater springs that are feeding up. But these are so powerful, they're actually making a... Um, you come up to it, and even with, with caps, white caps out there, it's bubbling to the surface with a, a sufficient velocity and aerated that it looks like a cauldron is boiling. That's awesome. So, of course, we went over, and I, he said, see if the swamp gas will ignite. Well, that wasn't probably a really good idea. <laughs> Here, guys, watch <laughs> this. Yeah, swamp gas. And, you know, it's, it's like one part, you had a little bit of the sulfur smell, but uh, today it really wasn't. Uh, if you looked at the side scan, we, we took some good shots, and those things are freaking awesome. And, and it, then it, we changed the coloration of it, and it looks like a laser plume from the bottom straight up. And if you look at, and you guys are going to be able to see this, we're going to play with some of this. We're at the bottom. Uh, you've got probably a silt layer now, three feet. You can see where the, the plume, the, the underwater spring comes up, blows out the bottom, so it's like a cauldron bottom opened. And then you can see this jet of water coming through. The, the pictures I got looks almost like um, I'd use them for red with thermal imaging. And basically, it really isn't. It's a factoring of how thick the water stream was versus the bubbling. But it, it, it's awesome. Some of the other pictures you haven't seen yet are neat. And, of course, my dive partner suggested we go down and dive it. That's like if he's never been on one of those, when you get that jet coming out, Near the base of it, you got like a, it sort of sucks you in and wants you to go down into the hole, which is not real cool, not if you're on scuba. Uh -huh. So we did not do that today, <laughs> but uh, I sure wish I'd have had a camera, a regular underwater camera, so I could have got some under of the plume, you know, of the plume itself, what it would look like with like camera lens. Now, is this, a, we went, is this a plume that you could see all year? That's what, now we went back and talked to some people who, you know, what kind of underwater, you know, streams and stuff do you have here? Uh, I talked to a guy who'd been out there 10 years. He saw, yeah, I think I saw one about 12, 13 years ago, so it's not common. And it's like, damn, we found eight of them yesterday, two today. And I, I got pictures of the of the boil on the surface today because I didn't want to screw my good camera up. Today I said, nah, the heck with it. I need a picture. So we're going to play around with that stuff some more. But it, that was really, we had a lot of fun that just playing out there with those. Yeah, what amazed me was just the quality of the side scan that you got. I mean, it's very visible. Oh, you tell me. It's it's Those almost factors. spooky visible. Well, we, that's what we got out there. We kept waiting. Out. We we went out and tried to do a little bit of temperature difference here. It was like, is that warmer? It's like, is this like a volcano vent? And we're going to start seeing <laughs> lava come up. I mean, it would really warm the lake up nice. Yeah, but, we, could, uh, we could use a little of that. Yeah, maybe not a maybe not a volcano. Yeah. Uh, it, that was interesting. Uh, we're going to probably do a little more with it. We did some today. So, and some of the pictures I got are, are freaking neat, let me tell you. 
I'll post a couple of those. So we went back again today, and basically we're we're talking. We're all day gone here doing a lot of stuff. Uh, today's we took the metal detectors out. Uh, he's got a new Fisher one we were playing with, and plus mine. But we went back out to where we believe the dump was at the south end, and uh, that place is about as denuded as you're ever going to get. Um, parts of it were uh, hard packed clay. Uh, but man, you would not have an ecology dive out there because you ain't gonna find diddly squat. We got some clay pigeons. We did get the obligatory golf balls, of course. Well, of course. Uh, and you got some fishing gear people dropped, you know, like uh, double pole holders that used to be on the back of a boat or something. Uh, but the bottles, hardly anything where we were at. You know, a couple of beers, a couple of cans, but talk about clean. But the silt layer, you can put your hand down as far as you wanna go and it still goes down. Mm. And I've still got my prod, so you're talking three, five feet. Hmm. But yeah, it was still fun, and the water temperature went up to 57 degrees. Wow. I mean, you can almost do it without your gloves. Now, how deep was the water? Uh, where we were diving today was like 10 feet in that whole lower part, um, the the south end of it. I don't think we got over 12 feet in that whole south end. Uh, we even went by where a couple of the old pavilions used to be, and normally you find junk there, you know, t- uh, roofing materials, siding materials, that muck is so deep that if there were something there, you couldn't touch it with the prods. So that's just natural silt for, from ages of water there. That's not something yep. recent. Right. No, that's just accumulation. And at that end, you've got a lot of the, the trees and stuff. They've got the, the high banks. And then the old days, it's cut the tree down, let it fall in the river. Or in the, in the lake, that's where all the leaves are. So you got composting out there. Uh, if you go out, maybe uh, eighth of a mile out from the shore, you finally get away from the weeds, even though it's shallow. But it's still the uh, very, very loose pack bottom. Uh, there really isn't any sand out there at all. The closest we got to hard pack was up by the yacht club, which is on the east side, and uh, that's also where the boat is. It's off of the. Uh, uh, Yacht Club there at Indian Lake, it's, it's offshore, it's not buoyed or anything, and you can find it, but you're going to play in the muck a little bit to do that. Mm. But, heck, any day on the on the lake is a good day. Oh, of course, that is. And then, uh, so in, any plans for tomorrow? You're going to get another one in? Uh, tomorrow's a uh, metal detecting day, I think. Metal detecting. Yeah. Uh, Bob was, uh, I was following him on Facebook, and he he was making it sound like Saturday was going to be a rough day in Lake Michigan, so he was thinking about Sunday. Uh, I heard it was supposed to be 35 knots on Sunday because some guys were going to oh. go fly and do a little photography. But, uh, yeah, I, I was hoping you guys would get out there, you know where I mean. Yeah. Jim was interested. So if oh, you yeah. took those and, and he was out, maybe Kurt will tag along. Yeah. Take some pictures. Yeah, I would love to get out there, but it, so it looks like we're it's a no go for lake diving this weekend. Then, uh, well, you know, you got the uh, quarry this weekend. I I'm not totally giving up on that, but looks like I may be. What what quarry is that? Uh, in this great in this the uh, gathering weekend. Oh, going to Gilboa. Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably not going to be able to to go that long of a trip. Uh, yeah. I, either Saturday or Sunday, though, I want to hit Pawpaw again if you're interested. Yeah, I think I I, I got to get wet. I mean, I've my gear is. I think somebody pointed out in the chat room. I think it was Dave. Is that, uh, or maybe it was Ted? But my cough has got to be uh, 
from not diving. I think that's what it is. So I was I was trying to to save it by not diving, but I, I think it's the cough that's uh, the the missing the dives what's doing it. And I was telling my wife that last week. You know, you breathe on that nice clean air in your cylinder, and it just cleans you right on out. That's a uh, therapeutic. So. I've got to get something in, so I don't, I, you know, even if it's in, it, it can be zero viz, I'm going to go ahead and dive it. But that side scan of that plume was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was nice. I'm sort of anxious to go back uh, where I was at is straight off the pier again, mm-hmm. off to the, oh, I found uh, some other interesting stuff, too. You know how we're looking for houses in the at the bottom of the lake? Yeah. Well, I found another one. Uh, oh. Well, let me rephrase that. I was talking to the man who lives next door to the pier. Mm-hmm. And um, he was telling me the story of when they brought that house over from the uh, water bleed side. It got, like I think he said, 30 yards from the shoreline and sunk. <laughs> oh. Now, this has got to be quite a long time ago because he bought the house in 89, and it was sunk before that. They actually brought it back up, and that is the house he's living in. Oh, so, so he's living in a house that sunk? So, yes, and it, it's really good. And it's, it's, it's interesting to talk to him about that. But it means that there was a lot of those houses that, in fact, they did go from Waterloo to Coloma back and forth over the ice during the winter, and some of them didn't make it. Huh. But that was interesting. Well, uh, what I've kind of pictured, the reason why we haven't been able to find it between the weeds and others is just that, uh, you know, the house just structurally couldn't handle the, you know, collision into the bottom, so the walls kind of tumbled or twisted or just number of years in the water and everything loosened up and it just kind of collapsed. Oh yeah, that absolutely. And that's why we have not physically been on that one over there by the point. That's the one we're talking about is it by now it has collapsed inward. And most people, it's not like a house that we look at today. In those days, it was a cottage, basically one big monster room with a little outcropping for the bathroom. Yeah. You know, it, it's what we would look like as a big garage. Yeah, all I think all these lakes had them. I know here in uh, Bering Springs, you had uh, the house where my mother-in-law lives in right now. Uh, I mean, they've added on to it probably six times in the last 15 years, and that was uh, at one point a little 10 by 14 foot room, and there wasn't even a bathroom in it. So uh, a lot of you know tourist little cottages that have eventually grown out and have been been houses. Yeah, but it was interesting talking to him, getting a little bit of history. Uh, he had some other interesting items to share that when he had bought a, one of those big U-shaped type containers that you bring your boat into and you can lift it up. Mm-hmm. He had bought one from somebody over in the Water Bleed side. They dragged it over on another boat. They didn't get 100 yards from his house when the boat they were dragging it with sank. Oh. It sank with their thing, and they were bringing it over with a bass boat. Well, bass boats don't have a lot of freeboard. So as the motor was starting to go under, they cut the line to the boat hauling the other item. So he doesn't have a lot of luck with transporting stuff across that lake. No. Now, did the did they get the boat back? Uh, yes. He said it was funny, though, because he, he only paid like 50 bucks for the device, and to have it recovered <laughs> cost him 350 oh. So he says that was a losing battle. And it, it's like everything. It's tragic at the day it happened, but he said it's been laughing. You know, it's a, one of those things you talk about forever afterwards. Well, it's always interesting to hear about a story like that. But we've got uh, – on Pawpaw, there's quite a few objects that we're looking for in the bottom. Now, how's that new boat of uh, Jim's working out? Uh, he uh, – Jim S. Uh, is is that new or is it just the tubes that are new? Oh, you're talking about uh, Ken's. Oh, is that Ken's? Uh, yeah, Ken's. 
Uh, he's had the boat, and then he just put new tubes on it this year. He's had the tubes for a while, uh, but it's one of those items. Had some time, let's get it done, and he did. And that's what we've been diving off of the last couple of days. So it's very nice. It's a Zodiac. Uh, the new tubes, I think, is, is uh, called a Cherokee. So when you look at it, it says Cherokee on it. Uh, the old tubes he had were black, and these were whitish gray. Yeah, it looks like white in the picture. I, I paste in the chat room. That's on the mudclub.scubaobsessed website. Mm-hmm. You can see it. So it looks, it's a nice looking little Zodiac for, for in, for a little inland lake, like a pawpaw or an Indian lake. And you throw the scanner on. I mean, that's the way to run. Yep. Um, what he did is that had a console, center console. He took right. that away, put the seat in the back. So we have more, more room for the gear for two people and all the crap we had on there. It's good. Cause we had to scan extra batteries, four tanks, uh, metal detectors, debris, you know, hot water bottles. Uh, it was a full house. I think the one I posted yesterday when we were dragging it out, it, was, it looked a little unorganized and we're trying to get some thought into how can we make it a little more functional and have more more space to put our gear down. Well, one thing I, I've kind of wondered on that is there's some way to make some sort of basket or net that you could actually use the outside of the tubes to store stuff. Oh, well, we, we have... Um, well, the techniques for getting in and out when you're out in the water is what we use. So we just put lanterns off to the side or, or tie-off ropes. Mm-hmm. You come up, hook your BCs to it. Uh, we also had, st- you know, you could either carabiners so you could clip off stuff if you needed to. Uh, you put the lines over so you can also put in any of your um, your goodie bags you want to hang off or put extra ones so you don't have to come back. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's really functional for two with all the gear we had. Because uh, we actually suited up on the boat. Well, we put the Farmer John's on, but the rest of it we took with us because it was getting warm, which is sort of funny. To us, it's warm, you know, 57 degree water, 55 degree air, and it's warm. Ah. Yeah. Well, we haven't had, excuse me, much of a summer, so I am, or spring. Seems like we had winter and just cold, yucky weather. Yeah. I know the, the only other conflict, not conflict, but item I got to figure out is uh, they're having a real good uh, metal detecting show, gym show. Uh, at the mall in Benton Harbor this oh, weekend okay. in Sunday. Uh, they're having seminars and demonstrations on how to pan for gold. Wow. And since gold is about $1,450 an ounce, uh, that may be worth it. Uh, silver is now running over 40 bucks an ounce. Wow. So I will probably go there. I need to get another O-ring for my, my detector, and i got to get new uh, earmuffs. But uh, either one of, one of those days I'm going to go there and, and – talk to the guy again but you you know you get me in the metal detecting place and we start talking shop and it's like that's another wonderful thing to do now uh not to get distracted uh, too far off of scuba diving but where would somebody pan for gold in this area in michigan yeah uh there are if you just go there's a couple of good websites for that um i'll look them up and give them to you i have them i just don't have them at my fingertips uh there's actually public land and private land that you can actually pan for gold. The funny part is the the law in Michigan just got changed relatively recently that says you can basically pan and get 0.6 ounce of gold per year. Well, it's like, I think that's really funny because if I started finding gold, you think I'm going to tell anybody, much less whoever's going to make me pay taxes on it. Yeah, yeah. our state government shoots itself in the foot and stuff like that. But it is interesting, they, and they are panning for gold, um, and you do have places you can do it. Uh, 
uh, how serious you're going to have to go up north if you're really going to start getting, you know, serious gold. If I do that, I'm going to go to Alaska. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, I, I love watching that show where they had the guys doing the gold. That just, I, I was ready to pack up. If I didn't need to eat or pay a mortgage or support. Or the wife, yes. Yeah, exactly. Then uh, I'd be up there in a second. Well, see, you could go, though, if you knew you'd make it rich because alimony would be worthwhile for her then. Yeah. Let you go. My, my theory on that is whatever you make is 10% less than what you really need. <laughs> so, I mean, if you make $4 million, you're going to need $5 million. You just don't, you just don't have, you just didn't get enough. But it'd still be fun just to get outside. I'm so tired of looking at the inside of walls at work. I need to get out and do something that involves nature and water and diving. That's, I'm ready. We got you can't keep me from it. That's that's my saying for this this week. I, I enjoy it, but I'm I'm never going to get rich there because you know how that works in my family, right? Yeah. The wife gets all the diamonds, my elder gets all the gold, my youngest gets the silver, and I get the copper. I mean, <laughs> I'm screwed. That's all there is to it. Yeah, that doesn't sound like the the greatest deal, but uh, finding it's half the fun. Yes, and I'd like to find some. Yeah, it'd be good. Be good just to to say we did it. Well, we we know there's some treasure out there, and we're gonna find it. This is the year. I just have a feeling we're gonna we'll find something unique no, and interesting find this that year. Another boat. We're gonna find that bomber out there. Yeah. This will be a bumper year. Yeah, certainly will be. So, well, I think we've about done it to another show. Um, we got Mud Club meeting next week, don't we? Is that is that the next third? Tuesday. Yep. Yep. And I was at the chiropractor. This week, and I think I might be able to talk. Uh, uh, well, the chiropractor is a scuba diver, and uh, her office person is also a scuba diver. She met her husband scuba diving. Uh, I can't remember what she said if it was Hawaii or something, but they they got married from that, and and she couldn't believe that anybody was diving up in in Michigan, that anybody up here dove. So, uh, trying to talk her into coming to the meeting. So I have to have to get something put together. Well, I did find out something from Mr. Jim today or this week uh-huh. is that uh, Andrews University is, in fact, going to have a student type uh, dive club. It appears there is a good number of student divers there at Andrews and they're actually starting their own club, per se. I wonder if there's any way we could get that somehow, you know, if they would need like a sponsor club or something. Well, that's already being looked into, and uh, I see Jim was on the line a minute ago, and he's actually, I think, making arrangements to go there and talk to them. <coughs> yeah. uh, because, hey, we're there. We've got the experience. It sounds like a lot of the people that are certified are not used to the cold water. Oh, but, yeah. hey, we can change that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of young people ready to do a bunch of work and get some diving in, so. Don't know if we can make grubbers out of them, but at least we can get them in the water. Uh, That's a special calling. It, yeah, I think it is. Oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> Some people wouldn't be caught. Well, would not be caught dead, but it's, it's <laughs> not their it's not their uh, area they'd like to be uh, experts on. Yeah. Well, you know, I enjoy it. I I, I have a, a blast. I, I but I like a variety. I I couldn't do. I, I like to change it up. So. Might well, be a couple I'll, days I'll have to send you my picture. I was going to change my avatar to an okay. atmospheric sub I looked at, <clears throat> and I'm looking at. I'll send you a picture. As I get older, at least I could go deeper than you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw a. Uh, I was watching one of the the Pawn Stars program, and they had a sub on that one. Wet sub. Dry. Really. Yeah, they they, they they had it. Some some lady had it in her yard and said, "It's free if you get rid of it." So this other oh. lady grabbed it, took it home, brought it out, and sold it. And uh, the guy there went, "Oh, it's all broken up and stuff." He says, "I give you three thousand for it." So then, of course, they did, like they do on those pawn shows. They bring an expert, and the guy said, "Oh, this was sub number one of whatever or two of whatever." The uh, uh, cost to, for it to be made was probably about a hundred twenty thousand dollars. He said, uh, "said it would cost you about a hundred fifty thousand dollars to get it in working condition, but in the yeah. condition they had it in, it was," uh, he said, "worth about twelve thousand dollars," and they picked it up for three. Wow! But uh, it had. Uh, what was missing is, is the top part of the dome. But, uh, yeah, uh, Pawn Stars uh, won, won this year, so they had to sub. <laughs> Somebody in the chat room says, I say Porn Stars. Well, that, <laughs> that, that, that's our other podcast. So, yeah. Just keep thinking positive. Let's go. Treasure. Treasure. We're going to we're gonna find it. I, I know it's out there. Um, and then also we need to hit Grand Mirror. Well, oh, I've got that on my calendar. I'm going to show you guys some of those railroad tracks. And uh, we get our little toy together. We can recover that dump car that's out there on the railroad tracks under eight foot of mm-hmm. well, Lake Michigan. I don't know how much sand, probably three or four foot of sand by now. But uh, we're going to recover that. And that, and that one uh, museum said they'd like the, the cart if we bring it up. Well, we got the museum on the line for it. So that's great. But, yeah, if I got somebody who wants it, <laughs> preservation, I'll be more than happy to bring that up. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. Uh, that'd be great. I, I'm just so anxious. I, I'm I'm ready. Uh, I just got to get me a boat myself so I can get out there 24 hours a day. Well, that's what Bob was saying because I was drooling over. I got the new catalog and it was showing all the side scan sonars or uh, yeah sonars. Oh, don't even start me on that. God. Yeah, and they're getting down there. They're getting more. They're getting tempting. The abilities it's, that you can get now with some of the, the modern electronics is phenomenal. Oh yeah. If I ever got close to winning a lottery. Not even the big one. I'd, you know, sub-bottom profiler, magnetometer. Well, well, I'm looking at the price of these, and I'm thinking, you know what? We just need to have a dive club fundraiser. You know, something. I mean, it doesn't, we're not talking that much money. We need a benefactor. A benefactor, yeah. Well, Clive, he's already got NUMA going. Maybe we, we just need to find somebody like him who can, you know, put a little bit of money in into it. Maybe we need somebody over at uh, Whirlpool. Uh, you know, there's got to be a bunch of uh, rich guys over there, some CEOs who like to dive that we can get hooked. <laughs> I wish we could. I wish we could. Okay. Well, on that note, we'll get into the bad scuba joke of the week. And, and actually, this one uh, is going to be kind of appropriate. <laughs> so... Uh, there's a young man who happened to be a scuba diver, and he asked an old rich man how he made his money. The old man fingered his uh, worsted vest and says, Well, son, it was 1932, the depth of the Great Depression, and I was down to my last nickel. I invested the nickel in an apple. I spent the entire day polishing the apple, and at the end of the day, I sold the apple for 10 cents. The next morning, I invested those 10 cents in two apples, spent the entire day polishing them, and then sold them at 5 p.m. for 20 cents. I continued this system for a month, and by the end of the month, I had actually accumulated a fortune of $1.37. Then my wife's father died and left us $2 million. 
so that's what we need. We need uh, somebody's. <laughs> I hate to even say that. I'll feel bad if it happens. But, uh, well, right, because you guys already went through this aspect. It can't be weddings, funerals, or anything well, like that for this year, so we can get diving. Yeah, I was almost going to put a disclaimer. If we, if the big and Uncle, do, George, do, and Uncle George, we didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that'd be all right. Yeah. Until next week, go out there and get wet. Temperatures getting up there, guys. Come on. <laughs>